He is one of the very few men in history that most people can recognize by one name, and no name can ever be as important. Everyone knows of Jesus Christ, but how much do we know Jesus Christ? Join us as we dive deeper into his life, his teachings, and most importantly, his love, and together we can grow closer and build a personal relationship with him. This is Light of the World in Focus. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Light of the World in Focus. Thank you so much for joining today. Really appreciate the uh, the time you guys take to make this podcast worth it. Um, so, just jumping right into things. This week we will be covering and finishing, hopefully, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Um, the last week we we started it. Um, we ended last week's with the Lord's sermon, the Lord's prayer, sorry, um, in Matthew chapter 6. So we're going to pick up um, kind of near the end of that, halfway through Matthew 6, and should go all the way to the end of Matthew 7. So it'll be exciting. So we're just going to jump right into it. So um, after after the Lord's prayer, um, Christ goes in and uh um, it gives a really good sermon on, um, I call, I call it the laying up treasures sermon. So, um, I'll just read you the, the verses and we'll kind of, we'll kind of break, th- break, um, them down as we go. So verse 19, uh, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And so this is the beginning of the of the little lesson that he, he um, gives on this. And it, it's pretty straightforward um, from the, from these verses. So a lot of the times, a lot of people, their hearts are set on gaining worldly possessions and riches, right? Um, whether it's that awesome new car that came out, whether it's, I don't know, the latest trend in fashion or whatever it might be, right? Fame, fortune, money. Um, that's where a lot of people, that's what their desires are. That's what their goals are, Um and we'll talk about um, if that's a good or bad thing in the future, and it'll coming up a little bit. But uh, I wanted to make a point here. This is what well, this is what Christ is making. I just wanted to point it out. Um, all these earthly treasures, right? They all go away. Cars wear out and break down. Uh, dresses, they they tear, they rip or clothing, I should say, tears and rips and goes away. Um, and even even fame, even fame will, will go, right? Um, for example, how many kids nowadays can name you the starting lineup, or at least one person from Led Zeppelin, right? None, <laughs> right? The, very, very few. We're back in the day, right? They were huge. They were they they had it all. They had the rock stars dream, right? Everyone knew their names. Um, even the, even that goes away in time. 
So what what doesn't go away, right? What are these heavenly treasures that he's talking about? Um, oh, I think these are more of when you focus on what what can we take with us, and and more of what what will we be rewarded for in the long run, right? Um, if you remember back in the beginning, right, um, of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, with the Beatitudes, right. Um, the one I really wanted to point out is that blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, right? So if you look, they were meek in this life, so in the next life they'll inherit the earth. I think we talk about what that means, what that means next time. So these heavenly treasures we're talking about, we have to understand, is partly um, any acts or deeds that God will reward us for on the other side, right? That that will will go for our benefit in the future, Right? of serving other people, being kind, being, you know, living how Christ would want us to, right? Um, those are all things we'll be rewarded for and we'll be able to, um, and that God, he's not going to forget, right? God's blessings don't rust or corrupt. They don't get stolen. They don't They don't go away, right? They are there. Um, and then I, another thing that we have that we'll be able to take with us is our experiences, our knowledge, and our relationships, Right. So first, I want to talk about knowledge. Everything that we learn on this earth, right, we'll be able to will be able to bring with us, right. Whether that's how to rebuild an engine, or math, or whatever it might be, right, we'll take it with us. Um, and so, um, the you know, that kind of shows us what what do we really want to what do we really want to spend our time on, right. Um, I know, you know, knowledge is good, but I think some of it might be a little bit better spent for our time than others. Um, and relationships, right? Um, you'll still you'll still have these relationships that you build on earth, right? I think that shows that we're going to want to have good relationships on earth and when we leave, right? Don't burn bridges um, because you'll still have that great friendship with your friend back in heaven. So we're just realizing what's really important in this life. And then Christ makes a great point when kind of goes into the second part of this um, layup treasures idea, like I, like I said before. Um, so in verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we're transitioning from spend time in things that matter, right? We're transitioning to um, kind of some of the, I don't want to say side effects, but what, what focusing on the good things brings, right? So if you have your heart, if, if the treasures you desire are treasures of earth, you have your heart set on earth, right? On these earthly possessions, getting them at whatever cost, right? Where if you're, if you're looking for treasure in heaven, right? That's where your heart's going to be. That's, that's what you're going to naturally do. Right. If it's my goal to, to um, I don't know. If it's my goal to save up money for a car, right? I'm not going to be blowing money on like instruments, right, or what other expensive hobbies people can get into, right? I'm not going to. If I want to buy a new car, it's my car's my hobby. I'm not going to take a ten thousand dollar vacation around the world. Um, just throwing numbers out there, right? What I'm saying is that your goals drive what you do. 
If your goals are to lay up treasures in heaven, that's what you're going to do. If your goals are to get treasures on earth, that's what you're going to do, right? Our desires make us do what we do. And so um, he, he goes on to elaborate a little bit more. Um, so he says, the lie of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So, well, I want to break that down. So, the light of the body is the eye. Have you ever have you ever heard the expression like the eye is the window to the soul? Right? Um, eyes are very expressive. Right? Um, and you know we can we tell a lot of people emotions by their eyes and also generally what you're looking at is what you go towards um generally speaking both physically and kind of like um philosophically like yeah you don't have to look where you're going when you're walking but generally it's a good idea right um and again it's kind of the same thing as the goal right if if your goal is to do good then you will become good right that you're going to do what you want and then Vice versa, if your eye is towards the bad, right, you're going to start becoming bad, right? The What you look towards becomes who you are. And uh, then there's the last part um, the of t verse 23. It says, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, that confused me. Um, I'm like, well, what do you mean light is darkness? That doesn't make sense. Luckily... Um, James E. Talmadge and Jesus the Christ brings up a good point um, about this. So he says, Those whom the Master was addressing had received the light of God. The degree of belief they had already professed was proof of that. Should they turn from the great emprise on which they had embarked, the light would be lost, and the succeeding darkness would be denser than that from which they had been relieved. So... I'm going to put this in another analogy. So um, let's say you wake up. It's a bright summer day like it is at the time I'm reporting this, recording this podcast, right? You get up in the morning and you go out and you open the blinds. Nice sunny day. And, you know, you're doing your chores around the house, doing the dishes and whatnot. And maybe you need to go out and uh, and uh, um, water the garden. So you're outside for probably only about 30 minutes, right? When you come back inside, right, it's so much darker than it was um when you had left, right? And so it's it's kind of the same idea here, where they these disciples they hadn't known necessarily the truthfulness of the gospel, um, or the truthfulness of Christ's um, uh, message, but they had come to that. They had come to that light. Now, if they were to turn away from that, it would be a lot darker than it would before, because after being used to the light, the dark is the darkness is darker. Um. And so then he uh, he wraps it all up in one one great phrase in verse twenty four. Says no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So I was actually confused. I don't know what mammon was, so I had to look it up. So I googled it, and this is what Google says: um, mammon. Wealth regarded as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion. Um, so worldly wealth, right? And so Christ drives on the point of why this is so important is you can't have 
you can't put your spiritual goals underneath your your worldly goals, right? Um, you you can't you can't um, strive to have that more than this. You can't have both, right? And so this kind of gets into what I want to talk about before: of is it bad to want nice things, right? Because Christ makes it very clear here: you can't you can't you know chase the the uh, um, earthly wealth over the spiritual wealth, right? That is, you can't you can't do both. Sorry, um, it's either one or the other. But is it bad to want nice things? I would say no. Looking at this definition of mammon, right? Wealth regarded as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion, right? It's when we put that dollar above God, when, when, we, when we make sacrifices, when we sacrifice our spirituality to get that dollar, right? We chase that dollar. We, we put it before our families. We put it before our friends. We put it before following Christ, right? That's when it becomes a problem. I don't think you're going to be condemned if you had a little bit more money right? If you worked hard, you got that money, right? It's not bad to want a new car, right? It's not bad to want like these fun hobbies, right? It's where these, where our eye is, right? If these hobbies are a side project, right? And they, they only take presence after we fulfill all of the, the spiritual progress, right? I don't think that's a problem. You know, God wants us to be happy. He's given us all these things for a reason. Um, but we do have to be responsible in uh, making our priorities straight. All right, so after that... Um, that section of the Sermon on the Mount, he, he jumps right into um, faith and how we should live our lives, right? He's, he's kind of, here's your goals, right? Here's what you should strive towards. And here's, here's, a, here's a way to live your life, right? And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm just going to read um, one of them. In verse 26, he says... Um, well, I'll read 25 and 26. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? I, I, I really love this. Um this analogy that he uses. So the, the birds, right? We see birds all the time. Um, but have you ever seen a bird planting seeds with intent of harvesting it later, right? No, it doesn't. The, the birds, they, they are fully dependent on Heavenly Father, but Heavenly Father takes care of them, right? He relates it to us. So these apostles, they're, they're about to... Uh, um, they're about to um, be be charged with uh, um, spreading the gospel, right? Of of devoting their lives to Heavenly Father, and so he's he, what Christ is trying to say is, don't worry about how things are just gonna, are going to work out. Have faith, and God will take care of you. 
I mean, these birds, God takes care of them. They have food. They have drink. They, they're taken care of. Are you not much better than a sparrow? And the answer is yes, right? God loves us just as much, if not more, <laughs> than, than the sparrows. Um, and so it's the same thing with our life. Now, I'm not advocating that we just throw caution on the wind. Um, God still wants us to be prepared, but he doesn't want us to, to despair, right? He wants us to have faith in him. That when he asks us to do something, right, um, that we do it without questioning, well, how is it going to turn out? How is it going to work, right? Like, I don't know, moving to some middle of nowhere town, right, for this random job offer that you might not even really want. But God says, hey, you should probably take this job, right? There's so many questions that can go through our minds, right? Um like, well, what's this going to mean for my family? What's the schools like down there? Blah, 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 right? But we have faith that God will take care of us, right? And this is the way we should live our life, with faith, not fear, right? Although I'm sure where, you know, he says in here, don't take thought for what you shall eat, right? Eating is very important. <laughs> um, we, we kind of need to eat. Um, and so... I'm sure these apostles are like, what, what do you mean don't worry about eating, right? That's kind of important. Um, it's be like someone saying, don't worry about breathing. You don't even have to try, right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I do. Um, so I'm sure these apostles kind of kind of understand. The point is getting is don't worry about how you're being taken care of. Just just get lost in doing what God wants us to do, right? And trust him to uh, to take care of him. Um, and then to kind of conclude it, he says, um, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. So he kind of he kind of sums up what we've been talking about a little bit. So first off with the whole serving God and mammon, you know, um, if you seek God and his righteousness first, then everything else will be added to you, right? If you need, want things from earth, right, the earthly treasures, you can still have them, right? Food, shelter, Nice car, right? If if you do it righteously, obviously, um, those aren't bad desires to have. I think that's that's what he's trying to what he's trying to say right there. Um, they're not bad as long as your priorities are straight. Um, and I, I don't want to say that I don't want people to think that I'm saying, hey, you know what? It's totally okay as long as you're being spiritual, right? To get as much gain as possible, and not help anyone out, right? Because honestly, let's let's be let's be fair here. If you are converted to Christ, and you you've seeked God and His righteousness first. You're going to want to be righteous like God in Christ, right? You're not going to become some you know the the um, classic rich guy who's just <laughs> poor people so beneath me, right? That's not going to happen. You're going to want to help these people out, but you know God He wants to bless us. He wants to give us help, right? Just all things have to be done in order all right so moving on to uh chapter seven so there's a there's a brief couple first five verses um and really just four verses because verse one is just one line um talks about um judging right judging others in the first one i think he puts it very simply in the first that we don't really need the other the other verses, it's nice that he elaborates, right? But it says, judge not that ye be not judged, right? 
I mean, pretty straightforward. Um, later on the scriptures, we find out, you know, judgment belongs to to Christ and Heavenly Father alone, right? And that we we should not um, we should not take that upon ourselves, right? We we're not going to be the judge of who gets into heaven or not, or whatever it might be, right? We should just worry about ourselves. And he he brings he brings that point up. Um, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Um, or basically, so a moat is like a little speck of dust, right? Um, and a beam, you know, think of like a beam in your house, right? A long piece of wood, right? Used for support and structure and construction, right? What What's bigger, right? What, what would impair vision a little bit more? Having a little speck of dust in your eye, yeah, that'd be annoying. But I feel like having a giant beam sticking out of your eye would impair your vision a little bit more, right? And what he's trying to get at is that how can we judge other people when we ourselves are imperfect, right? That no, our our struggles might be a little bit different than theirs, right? Um, we we're still imperfect nonetheless, right? And we should worry about ourselves. Um, it's not saying don't help other people, right? But it's not that it's it's that we should be careful not to um, make think of ourselves as better or get that higher like holier than thou feel of like oh you're struggling with this ho 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 what a what a weakling i'm so much stronger and better than the gospel than you right that's that's not what you should do because at the end of the day we're all imperfect um i don't want to spend too much time on this i think it's pretty straightforward because i wanted to move it on to um, um one of my favorite things to talk about um so in verse seven um he he starts off this really great part of um, one of the coolest parts of the gospel, I think. Um, so in verse seven of chapter seven, it says, "Ask and it shall be given you; seek and ye shall find; knock and it shall be opened unto you." And uh, it it's really cool because I f I forgot where I learned it, but. The phrase asking you shall receive is repeated more in the Old Testament and New Testament than any other phrase. Now, it's not word for word, right? But it's the idea. It's the concept of if you have a question, ask. God will give it to you, right? It's ref it's repeated like 70-something times throughout the scriptures. Um, I don't remember exactly where I got that. Fact check me if you want. Let me know if I'm wrong. I'd like to know if I'm wrong. Um but I think that's, that's really cool. So what does it mean by asking you shall receive, right? Um, well, I think it's pretty straightforward, right? Um, if we have questions, right, if we want to learn something, if we want to know something, if we, you like, if you want to know what, if what I'm saying is true, all you have to do is ask. Not me. I mean, obviously I'm going to say yes because I'm not going to put all this time and effort into something that I don't think is true, <laughs> um, obviously. But ask God, right? Because in verse 8 it says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. Um, right? Is he saying, look, if you have questions, right, seek, you shall find. You have to look for something before you find it, right? You have to you have to take that step before anything can come to you. Um, if you lose your car keys and you, you're like, oh, I really wish I had my car keys. If you don't look for them, you're never going to find them, Right? And then, then he emphasizes something. So verse 9 and 10, I'll read it real quick. 
Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Um, it, it's pretty straightforward, right? Let's say your your child or your nephew or your niece or some little kid, right, um, comes up to you and it's like, I am hungry. Can I have a piece of bread or goldfish crackers or apple juice or whatever it's going to be, right? Would you give them a stone? Be like, here, have fun with this. You know, knock yourself out. Not literally, <laughs> right? No, we won't. We we'd we'd give them we'd give them the food, right? Or if uh, you know, I guess the goldfish analogy. If anyone asks fish, we'll give them a serpent, right? It's like, can I have some goldfish? You just plop out a rattlesnake. It's like, here you go. Have fun with this one, right? No, we we wouldn't do that. It's just not not um, doesn't make sense to us. It sound it kind of sounds ridiculous, right? Um. And the point he's trying to make in verse 11, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to him that ask? So when he says be ye being evil, I don't think he's calling us evil. I think it's more imperfect, right? That how we're not, we're not anywhere near God is basically what he's saying. But if we understand the concept of giving good gifts to someone that asks, how much more would God um understanding give us good gifts right and, i mean probably a lot better um and so he he um i think it's really cool because to me a god that says ask him you know I'll, I'll talk to you right and i'll give it to you uh what you what you ask just like any good parent would that brings me a lot of comfort right it doesn't seem like a god who is arrogant and haughty and Oh, I know so much more than you. It's it's a God that loves us and wants us to grow and learn, right? He wants us to continue to to uh, grow in knowledge, and um, he wants to help us out, right? It seems like a God that wants to help us out, a father, because that's what he is, a father that wants to help his children out, help his children find the way. Um, and to me, that brings a lot of peace, just that, that small little knowledge, right, of so much of asking you shall receive. And just the implications of that, right? The implications of what that means, right? Of what our relationship really is with him. And so, anyway, moving on. We're, we're running a little bit short on time, so I don't want to rush through it, but I, I will try. Um, so, also, he... he, he Let's us know how, again, how to learn things, right, um, and what to beware of. Because we can, you know, here's the question. How do I know who's saying the truth, right? How do, how do I know who's, who's being good, who's being bad, who's, who's trying to lead me away, who's trying to help me out, right? And he, he's very aware that this is just something that human beings do. So in verse 15, he says, Beware false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So let's let's compare. I'm not going to say which one's good, which one's evil. An apple tree and an orange tree, right? Every day of the week, um, you will you can expect, you know, 24-7, that an apple tree will never once grow an orange tree. And this is one of those, like, weird fruit cocktail ones that are, you know, not found in nature. Um, it's, it's just never going to happen, right? 
same that that the orange tree will never produce an apple. It's just not how it works. Um, and so he's saying the same thing here. If someone has bad intentions, right, and wants to lead you away, the fruit of what they're saying or telling you is not going to be good, right? It's it's going to be it's going to be bitter, right? If you're biting into an orange, expecting you know a nice orange flavor, and it turns out to be an apple, right? You're going to be a little thrown off, right? Um, same way, if it's good, then you're going to feel that good enlightenment, right? You're going to be, oh, this is a good orange, right? Um, but I found that it's really cool that he uses the analogy of fruit because how do you know if you like a fruit or not? You have to taste it. You have to try it. You have to, you know, um, maybe even try it a few times, right? Um, if it's good, right? A lot of times you can be like, like for me, um, not a huge fan of grapefruit. I know some people are. Um, I have to put a lot of sugar on it for me. Um, just like the first time I taste it, I'm like, yeah, I don't like this, right? It doesn't take heart. But good fruit, right? Sometimes it takes a little bit or you'll know instantly, right? Um, but we have to try it. We have to experiment on it, right? We have to we have to taste something. We have to try it out to know if it's good or not, right? And, of course, um, we'll be able to tell if it's something we want to pursue, right? By trying one apple, you can tell, oh, I like apples, and you're going to pick the rest of the apples on the tree, Right? But if I picked a grapefruit, tried it, I'm like, this is disgusting. Right? I'm not going to waste my time with the rest of the grapefruit. We don't have to try every single grapefruit out there to know that I don't like the grapefruit. right? So don't 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 think that I'm saying, hey, you need to go try all the bad things. right? That's not, <laughs> not what I'm telling you to do. Um, but, you know, you have to experiment. You have to try the good things. right? You, you won't know if you like an apple until you try it. And that's, that's kind of how I wanted to uh, kind of end it off. So, um, is, is that whole idea of doing and working, right? Um, and I, I think that this really comes down, we've talked a little bit about faith, and to me, faith is really much an action word, right? That, and actually, I wanted to, uh, um, No, never mind. Um, in verse 21, he puts it very clearly. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Um, I think that's really that's really cool. You know, um, in Jesus the Christ, it says religion is more than confession and profession of the lips, right? It's... It's doing that work. It's it's doing what, you know, the will of Heavenly Father, what he's asked us to do. And how do we, who, where do we find that out? Well, Christ said, you know, what can I do but what I've seen the Father do? He he's came to do the will of the Father, right? We, we follow Christ. That's what God wants us to do. We don't just say, I believe in Christ, right? We have our actions show that we believe in Christ. Um, we, we don't say, you know, it's good to serve your neighbor without serving your neighbor, right? You have to do it. You have to show it, right? It's You can't just say, oh, yeah, I believe in Christ, but not actually do it, right? And then he, he compares this to, um, to you know, the wise man and the foolish man. There's a, there's a primary song in the church about it, right? The wise man built his house upon a rock, right? Um, and he kind of shows that the people that put in the work and do it right, it's like the wise man that uh, um, builds it upon the rock. Verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, 
I will liken them unto a wise man, which is built, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these things of mine, and doeth them not, shall be like unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. Um, and I, I think that's really cool. You can read into that really deeply, of uh, when we actually live and do what Christ asks us to do. Maybe when those rains he's talking about are the rains and storms of life, right? That when we're actually doing what we need to be doing, um, when crap comes in life, which it will, right, we'll be able to stand firm and strong because we built our house upon a firm foundation. But if we just merely profess to be a follower of Christ but don't do anything about it, then when those storms come, we might not be holding up as well as we would have thought or liked. So just just some food for thought. You know, look at your life, look at what you're doing, and see maybe how you can your actions can reflect a little bit better your uh, your faith and devotion to Christ. But uh, that'll that'll do us for, for time. I don't want to keep you too long. Thank you so much for joining us um, this day. I hope you're able to get something out of it. I was able to, just as I was doing the podcast, actually, I've had things jump out to me that I'm going to want to go home and study some more. So, um, again, thank you for joining. And this has been the latest episode of Light of the World in Focus.